Blog Talk Radio. Romans 2 and 5. Nope. The righteous judgment of the Most High, who will yep. render unto every man according to his nope. deeds, to them who by patience continue yep. in some well-doing seek nope. for glory and honor and immorality, yep. eternal life. But unto them that are nope. contentious and do not obey the yep. truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Great Luke, You an African-American? Nope. You believe that's your heritage? Yep. Do you know who you are? Nope. King, queen? Nigga with back? Nope. Do you shine like a star? Yep. Think they gon' say it? Nope. We gon' explode. Yep. Yeah. They gon' take your life? Nope. So many secrets in the vault? Yep. Do this knowledge cost? Nope. Hop in the book to my? Yep. Do you follow these laws? Nope. Do they still exist? Yep. Have time to wait? Nope. Do we have grace? Yep. Continue in sin? Nope. I'ma ask you again. Yep. Should we continue in sin? Christ is the way, yeah. never gonna win, nope. trying to make it to heaven, yeah. get there by sin, nope. follow the commandments, yeah. everybody got choices, I chose this walk so I keep on trotting, everybody got choices, choose the right path and nothing can stop us, everybody got choices, righteous life, devil don't like that, nah, everybody got choices, choose the right path and save your soul, never going back, no, 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 forward to the kingdom, yeah. Choose from 
you got to choose one Who you gonna choose the most I heard theater Two sides to choose from You got to choose one Who you gonna choose Who you gonna choose Got to choose Alright, alright, alright You gonna learn today Alright, alright, alright You gonna learn today all right, all right, all right, all right. Shalom, 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 shalom. Yahweh, I send you on the thumb to the 12 tribes worldwide. Peace and greetings. It's your brother, Mashallah, uh, coming at you this morning. Thank you for tuning in. You have reached another episode of Bible Talk, all right? Um, uh, Bible Talk, we produce this show. We, we try to produce this show every, uh, every morning, uh, Monday through Thursdays, from 10 a.m. to about 12 noon. Sometimes we go a little bit over. Uh, and we come back on Friday nights. Uh, we try and start that at 8 p.m. Uh, we're finding that Bible breakdowns with the brother Bonabot. Um, great class yesterday uh, to my brother Tazapa. Uh, great, great class. It, it was really felt. It was really, uh, and, and you, you brought some great understanding in bringing the historical, historical evidence that the Osage, Osage people and the people, the Reubenites, the so-called Reubenites or the uh, the similar Indians, the five civilized tribes, the nations, uh, that they're Israelites, and that the Native Americans that are here in the Americas, that they're actually Israelites, um, and that they, they started in, and their origin comes over from Israel because we are part of the twelve tribes of Israel, that that coming out of Egypt, that Moses led the nation of Israel out of Egypt, and uh, along with our, and those are our forefathers, are the so-called Negroes. West Indians, Puerto Ricans, Haitians, Dominicans, Cubans, North American Indians, similar Indians, Argentinians, Chileans, Brazilians, Colombians, Panamanians, and so-called Mexicans over here in the Western Hemisphere. And to bring out the information how we traveled from our homeland during the captivity of the Assyrians. Um, they were entered into the narrow passages of the river, came, went to the Euphrates during the Assyrian captivity, and then we literally sailed into the year and a half to come from the Middle East to sail around Africa and to come over to the, to the Americas and realize that with the amount of people that we had, uh, how many stops would have to be, to, uh, to be took, how many ports we pulled into and, and coming around. I mean, Africa is, is the second largest, according to, to the so-called white man's education, the second largest continent of all, all the continents. So to travel around, the, around Africa, with the amount of people that we had, you can understand why it would take a year and a half, and all the ports we had to stop in. You can only imagine that there'd be some Israelites that stayed in, that, in some of the areas that that that, uh, uh, that they landed and to resupply, to uh, restock, to uh, get food, or just to get off the ship for a while, um, uh, a ship cleaning, um, have to take care of the uh, uh, the sanitation, take care of all the. Uh, uh, I was just say sanitation. I ain't got to get graphic with that. That and yeah, men, women, and children uh, making this voyage. That that it would have took. It's easy to understand how it would have definitely took a year and a half, especially traveling with, with, with families. We can definitely understand that. And, and coming around uh, Africa, the Southern Horn of Africa, and then come over to the Americas, fantastic. And that we are the Israelites. But remembering not only the atrocities that we did suffer come over here, but and touching on, we brought a lot of that. A lot of that upon ourselves, that why were we kicked out of the promised land in the first place? That for us to be led out of Egypt 
by the, 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 the great wonders and the great plagues that the Lord brought upon the earth to free us from the captivity of the Egyptians, now, to show his power um, and to show his glory, that he might get praise, to deliver the descendants of Abraham, the descendants of Isaac, the descendants of Jacob, the 12 tribes, to bring us out of Egypt the way he did, to split the Red Sea with all the miracles, uh, leading us through the wilderness for the 40 years that we had to go through the wilderness for 40 years, feeding us every day in that 40 years with manna. And, we all, and then we were complaining and, and bitched um, that we had no meat and that we wish we still had the food that was back in Egypt. He, he gave us quail. So it literally came out of our nose that it was coming, quail meat was coming out of our nostrils because of our complaining uh, that what God was doing was just never enough. And I, we always kept threatening uh, Moses. We always kept threatening uh, the Most High that it was better for us to stay back in Egypt where we knew our routines, where we're comfortable. It says that we missed the flesh pots that were in Egypt. And just touching on that, brothers and sisters, understanding the flesh pots and the food that, that we, we said, that it wasn't like we were vegetarians and, uh, and that the Egyptians who ruled over, ruled over us with rigor. It's not like uh, uh, it was a good thing. Remember, a lot, of the, the, a lot of pagan worship was taking place in Egypt, a lot, Particular, particularly the, um, uh, the worship of Isis and uh, Nimrod and Semiramis. I mean, which all goes back to it, going back to Nimrod, that there was a lot of, of paganism that was taking place that we were partakers of that we were heavily partakers of while in Egypt. So to be talking about going back to eat the flesh pots, and we understand those flesh pots were, that was, if y'all remember, I, I saw, watched this uh, trailer the other day. Remember Conan, that Arnold, Schwarz, Arnold Schwarzenegger did, Schwarzenegger, black, black. Really, I said Schwarzenegger uh, or black, black, because remember, the word Schwartz means black, and the word nigger means black. So he's Arnold, black, black. Arnold, nigger, nigger. Um, the first, one of the first movies he did that he, uh, gave, really gave him fame was Conan, the Barbarian. Now, you remember that they had James Earl Jones as, as, as the villain in the movie, and that on one, one, one of the, the, the scenes, uh, they had to go in and they had to kidnap the, get, the kidnap, get the princess back for the, the king that they was, uh, had hired them as mercenaries, and there was a big giant pot um, that came from, from, I guess, what would have been the, the, the kitchen, if you will, and had to be carried by, like, six huge men. It was a big iron cauldron, a big iron cauldron, iron, like, stone cauldron. And in that cauldron, well, with, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, had, had dumped it over, uh, and people were eating from this damn cauldron. Remember, it had, it had human hands, human feet, um, uh, human skulls, bones of humans, in this, these flesh pots. And brothers and sisters, that's part of the, the, the paganism. That, those practices, even though in Conan, Conan is, is a fictitious character, a fake character, but the his, historical accuracy of the type of things and worships that was taking place throughout the world, that part is true. And that, that was even going all, all the way through, as we've been going through, through this series that, that I'm on, that's going all the way up through, uh, uh, through Rome all the way up through Greece, all the way up through Ephesus, all the way up through Corinth, all the way up through Thessalonians, 
all the way up through the seven churches uh, in Revelations. Let me do that real quick. And I'm going to give it to my introduction, but I, I just got the phone before I started this, uh, my, my, my podcast this morning. And the brother of the Father, I love you, bro. And I'm not saying this as a, as a bad thing, but uh, now you got my mind working. Now you got my mind go- going there. All right, the seven churches of Revelations. The seven churches of Revelations were Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. Now, we've covered several of these, brothers and sisters. The book of uh, the church of Ephesus, that's where Paul gave us the book of Ephesians. Uh, Smyrna, uh, Pergamon, Thyatira. Oh, we, we're covering this one. We've been covering that. Uh, Sardis of Philadelphia and Laodicea. We go back and check out the fornications that was taking place in all these, these, these cities, uh, particularly Corinth. Uh, I said Pergamon, Galatia. Remember, Galatia was... was was a, a, a country, which is northern Turkey today, that had over five cities. Um, and that one of the main cities there was, if I remember correctly, was it Smyrna? I'm going to go back and get that list together again. But the fornications that was taking place with the, with the worship of Diana, the worship of Aphrodite, the worship of, of Zeus, the worship of uh, Bacchus and Dionysus, and the worship of Apollo, the worship, the worship of Rhea, the worship of, of uh, um, who, who am I missing, um, Artemis, uh, that all these, under different names, these same customs and these same rituals were being carried out in Egypt as well because all that was derived back from the first Babylonian Empire uh, and the Assyrian Empire with Nimrod after the flood. And, and so when we talk about we missed the flesh pots and the foods uh, in the markets that were in Egypt, let's not take this this, this real um, delusional look. Like all the Israelites that I've ever been is just victims, and all the Israelites we were just poor, innocent, like like just shepherds, just tending to the sheep, and the evil, bad Egyptians, the big bad wolf just came and just was just trying to devour us, and and. That all we've ever done is good, and, and we're Israelites, and we've always, we've always kept the commandments of the Most High. We've always been straight with the Most High, and the nations just hate us. And, and we're just, we're just uh, done just so dirty, because, and, and people don't just understand how innocent we are. And we're, we're innocent as the, the, the driven snow. Hell no. Going back to what Tuss was bringing out with us coming over, the historical thing he was going over yesterday in his class, that when we came, we were kicked out of the promised land in the first place, what was the point I'm trying to get to. Because just like when we came out of Egypt, we wanted to go back to the worship and the ways of what we were doing in Egypt, particularly the worship of Cyrus, particularly the worship of um, Isis, particularly the worship of the sun god Ra, particularly the worship of Tammuz, where we get to Ankh from. And Tazafar did an excellent class on that also, um, that the, the Ankh, it's actually that's the, the it's not a cross. It's the letter T for Tammuz. All right, that that Ankh represents Tammuz, and that the cross that a lot of people wear around their necks is not the cross that Christ died on. Because matter of fact, when we go to and we've done this on the, on, the, on on blog talk here, Christ wasn't killed on a cross. He was killed on a post, a tree. Well, it might have been a cross. 
but it was more like a T as, as opposed to, to uh, what people are used to today. Anyway, uh, not getting off the point, that we bought a lot of the pagan worship and the pagan rituals and the pagan customs that God was so upset with the Canaanites, with other nations that they were doing, we so readily devoured and accepted and partook in the, in the abominations and the idols and the, uh, of the eating of the food, of the customs, of the rituals, of the dress of other nations. We brought that madness over here to the Americas. And, yeah, I'm, when we go and, and get into some of the historical records, uh, the first explorers coming to the Americas, how, what they what they seen with the Aztecs, what they seen with the Incas, what they seen with the Mayans, cannibalism. Yes, cannibalism. Yes, our people was involved with cannibalism, as well as the the as much as we were doing the rain dances uh, to different gods. And we, we actually was back to Baal. That we carried a lot of that madness over to the Americas. We carried a lot of that madness over to the Americas. Because we was doing it at home. We was living that way or doing these things while we were at home. And it came over to the Americas and continued those same pagan uh, uh, rituals that upset God and pissed God off in the first place. So to have the so-called white man come and, and the nations come and, and, and God using them as a, his belt. And I heard how tell us that yesterday. We deserved it, brothers and sisters. We deserved it. To where Christ, and let's fast forward now, or if you want to say go back to the past, let's remember what was the message of Christ, of John the Baptist, what was the message of all the prophets of God from the Old Testament and come back to the New Testament? Even though the word repent is not in the Old Testament, but to change, to come back, to be circumcised, uh, to be washed, to be cleansed, all that was in the Old Testament to depart from these ways, to return back to the Lord. We read that many times in the Old Testament about return, 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 return. That was synonymous with the New Testament of repent, return, come back, get right. This is not what I wanted for you. It's basically the same message, basically the same message. Same message. Um, well, if you want to use semantics, like repent, well, but, no, please. We're supposed to repent because we have done a lot of evil to God. We've, we've gone against God, and where God has shown us his secrets. God has shown us the secrets how to please him. Think about this. A lot of people um, uh, want, want to feel some type of security, so they want to get with or, or when you want to make things move, you might run into a business and you run into some type of problem. Uh, and you know that the employer that you're dealing with doesn't have enough authority to, to help you or, or help you get what you're trying to get accomplished, what do all of us do? Uh, well, let me speak to your supervisor. I need somebody who I need to speak to somebody who's got more authority than you to, to make happen or help me get where I'm trying to get to. I need to go to your supervisor or your manager. I, I need to keep going up the chain of command high enough until somebody's going to give me what I want. This is a practice we all use, and we all very, uh, very can ready, very readily identify with. I need to speak to somebody in authority who's going to get it to go my way, who's going to listen to what I'm saying, understand what I'm talking about, and want to now assist me in what i got going on. If we have enough com- common sense to know in the world, in the worldly fashion, that that is what works, I need to speak to your supervisor. I need to speak to somebody above you. I need to speak to somebody with authority. 
how much more than brothers and sisters should we understand that the most high is over everything and that if we have our relationship with him he makes things work but if we don't have a relationship with the highest authority of course the authority is going to shut us down and that's what we keep seeing but but we can relate this with again if we're just if it's a telemarketer, if it if it's if it's a, 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 a you have something uh, a, a, was overcharged something on on a, on a bill. If it was um just something didn't happen or go, and, and when you was transacting uh, an business transaction that you weren't happy with, you call you call, and if the person that you get on the phone with can't help, you want to speak to a supervisor. You want to speak to somebody who who has more authority to to assist you. We have that common sense, but we want to apply that same common sense when it comes to, well, let me do the things that please God. Let me please the highest authority. Let me get right with the highest authority so that things will go my way, so things will go the right way. Somehow that just slips us. Somehow that just just escapes us. And now we want to dismiss the Bible. We want to dismiss this, and that the Bible really doesn't work, but me just pushing my will and doing it this way, and I know that if I speak to a supervisor, I can get things, I, I, can, I can affect change. Come on, brothers and sisters. Come on. God revealed to us his secrets. God revealed to us his secrets that he did not reveal to the whole world, that from his prophets to his people, he revealed to the Israelites his secrets. How to get close to him. Almost, you know, like Lionel Richie, Lionel Richie, the Commodore song. Just to get close to you, girl. This is what the Most High did with the nation of Israel. And we literally spit in his face. We spit in his face and then kept challenging him with, God, you don't love me. I, I, this sidebar. Oh, this rabbit hole. This sidebar. Do I want to go here? Do I really want to go here? Do I really, really, really want? To? I do. I, I, I do. I, I really do want to go here. Um, Malachi. Yeah, I, I'm here. Uh, we're here. We are here. So. Malachi, I didn't even get to my introduction yet. I didn't even get to my introductions yet, but this is where we're at. This is what we're doing. So, <clears throat> oh, my vision. As, as I'm doing this, brothers and sisters, uh, just this morning, as I was putting up the, my post uh, uh, that the show was starting, uh, the, the times for the show on, on a Facebook post, I read a post uh, from Cedric the Entertainer. It says, so we're at the Middle Ages where you take a picture. Uh, how do you say that? You take a picture of, of the instructions so that you can blow them up so you can read it. <laughs> that the eyes are getting bad, right? That the eyes are getting bad. Um, let me see this. Let me see if I can find this. Uh, I'm going to slip, y'all. I'm going to say it real quick. I'm going to say it real quick. Um, 
Let me see here. Um, Well, here's one scripture I'm going to get. We'll go to Malachi chapter 3. I'm going to find this other one. We'll go to Malachi chapter 3, and we'll start verse 13. Malachi chapter 3, verse 13, and it says, Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, what have we spoken so much against thee? So, when we read the Bible, do, do we? I don't know if we get the concept, like, the Bible is, like, God's diary. Like the Bible is like God's diary of his innermost thoughts, of his feelings, of his heart, of his perspective, of what he's going through. We be so just into ourselves about what we feel, and, and, and we, we'll push and fight so hard that it's about what, what we got going on. We rarely stop to even think or consider that God has a perspective. We really just have this, this, this impression that God had just better do what we want. That we're not going to believe in God unless he's doing what we want. So we'll jump from God to God to God or, or whatever, whatever, whatever. To, and when I say God, I'm not talking about just from in religion. We'll jump from if religion ain't working, we'll jump to politics. If politics ain't working, we'll jump to education. If education ain't working, we'll jump to just go make your money. That we, we, we're going that that's that is our that is our mindset. That's how we do things. But we never stop for a minute and really consider what does God want. It's all about what we want, like like a bunch of spoiled brats. So Malachi chapter two verse thirteen says, "Your words have been stout against me," saith the Lord. Now, what does this word stout mean? I'm gonna get to compare the Bible. Just and and I, I ain't gonna say it real quick. This is where it's at. Um, come back, come back, come back, come back. Uh, we're in Malachi chapter three, verse thirteen. Obviously, brothers and sisters, this part wasn't prepared. Uh, this is not what I had intention of going to. Um, but this is where we at. Uh, from the a faithful version Bible, right? the Bible, the, a faithful version Bible from Malachi chapter three verse thirteen. This what they translate it. It says, "Your words have been all too strong against me," says the Lord. Yet you say, "What have we spoken so strongly against you?" All right. So the Lord is saying, "Your words have been too strong against me," says the Lord. And what's the reply of Israelites, of, 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 of the nation of Israel, his chosen people? But we come back and say, but what have we spoken so, so, so strongly against you? What, just name something we did, did, did wrong. This is our mentality with God. And this is recorded in the book of Malachi. Okay, um, stout, strong. Let me check out. Uh, this is the Beaver Study Bible version. The Beeman Study Bible from Malachi chapter 3, verse 13. It says, oh, we'll look at that one too. The Beeman Study Bible version of the Bible says, your words against me have been harsh, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we spoken against you? God said our words against him have been harsh. 
but we have them inside. But what are we saying that's wrong? What are we said against you? From the Brenton Study Bible, from the Brenton Study Bible, now it says, "You have spoken grievous words against me," saith the Lord. Yet you said, "Wherein have we spoken against thee?" All right. Um, let me just get a couple more versions. We'll go continue on. In the Common English Version. Oh, this is a Common English Version Bible from Malachi chapter three, verse thirteen. It records and it said it was translated. It says, "Ye have said horrible things about me, and yet you ask, what have we said? If this is not the mentality of our people, even to this day, uh, what is this? November twenty second, two thousand twenty three. Come on, man. This is recorded by Malachi. Malachi had to write this down. Now, see, I, I don't. Uh, I would say I don't like going here, but I would say I do because we're doing it, so we're here." The prophet Malachi, P-R-O-P-H-E-T-M-A, Malachi. Yes, I'm doing a Google search. And I'm looking for Wikipedia. Um, and hopefully they ain't going to hit me with the please donate. Wikipedia works hard. Uh, let me see here. Um, the opinions uh, vary as to... The prophet's exact date, but nearly all scholars agree that uh, Malachi prophesied during the Persian period. And after the reconstruction and dedication of the Second Temple in 516 B.C., more specifically, Malachi probably lived and labored during the times of Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, The abuses which Malachi mentions in his writings correspond so exactly with those of the – which Nehemiah found on his second visit to Jerusalem in 432 B.C., that it seems uh, reasonably certain that he prophesied uh, concurrently with Nehemiah or shortly after or shortly after. So let's just go with the, the, the date of 512 B.C., 512 years, 516 years before Christ is when, the book of, when Malachi was doing his work. 516 years before Christ, this is what is recorded by God through him dealing with the mentality of us as Israel. That's, that, that's crazy that he was saying back then, your words, again, I'm reading from the Common English Version Bible, you have said horrible things about me, and yet you asked, what have we said? Um, let me get one more, a couple more versions of this. Where is the, the Good News Bible? The Good News Bible. Uh, and it says, you have said terrible things about me, says the Lord, but you ask, what have we said about you? Y'all ever, like, have, have those parents? Like, I know I'm one and have, have parents. Like, oh, you think I'm stupid. You think I'm stupid? Y'all remember the, the uh, in the movie Life? And I know I'm, I'm a little bit older, and bring up some of these real old as examples that young people might not be familiar with. But in the movie Life, that was uh, done by Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. <laughs> um, remember when they, when they went down to what was it, uh, Mississippi uh, to buy the moonshine, or to buy the, to buy the uh, yeah to buy the moonshine or the liquor, or whatever it was. Uh, that before going back to New York. Uh, they decided to stop at at a uh, 
a juke joint, right, at a, at a bar, a, 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 a bar. I'm just leaving it at that. And um, Eddie Murphy was playing poker <laughs> with some of the, the, the locals there. And um, <laughs> remember, uh, he got took for all his money and his daddy's watch. They put his daddy's watch up for collateral, and uh, he wound up losing the hand. But it was because the, the guy was cheating with the waitress. <laughs> so uh, the, the 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 main guy, the, the one guy who who did this, the, the cheating, he gets. I forget his name, Clarence. I think it is the one from. Uh, I can't remember his, his his actual name, but you you know the character I'm talking about when you when you see his face. Um, the girl's going back after he leaves. He gets all the money. Gets his uh, uh, Eddie Murphy's wa- uh, daddy's watch. Uh, the girl is going out, like she's cleaning up the table, and that's when Eddie notices that she's got cards underneath her little uh, tray, and that they were cheating. And she winds up like escaping, getting away, <laughs> and then Eddie can't catch her, so he's sitting at the bar, uh, having uh, sipping on, 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 on the shot. And Martin Lawrence, you know, he 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 went uh, <laughs> he went uh, with a prostitute. He went with a prostitute. And when he comes back, uh, Eddie asks him, "Well, do you sell that two dollars I gave?" He's like, "Nah, uh, old girl, um, you know, she, she she's a church going woman, and her mama needs <laughs> needs money for a surgery. And they was like, how much she need? Two dollars?" He said, "Yeah, yeah, two dollars." He said, "Well, I guess I, uh, you weren't the only one getting getting took in." Uh, uh, I got took, I got swindled also, and Martin was like, "You lost all the money? No, no, they they took me." But you know what? You know what? I'm, I'm gonna get uh, I'm gonna get my basically I'm gonna get my revenge. And I think he made walked out. They said, uh, "They said to the bartender, um, when when I come back, I'm gonna get that girl." And the bartender says, "What girl?" And he says, "The girl that." Uh, the girl, when I come in here and wind up choking, that's the one. You'll know the one that I wind up choking. That's the one. The reason I'm maybe bringing that scenario up, brothers and sisters, is God is telling us how he feels, that our words have been terrible, been horrible, been stout, been strong, been harsh, been grievous against him. But we're like, so what are we spoken against the what, – what, what are we what, – what, like, what is it now, God? What we ever said to you that wasn't true about how we feel? This this dismissing God's feelings and what He's saying to us, and when He's expressing Himself, and it's all about our feelings. Well, what have we spoken so much against you, right? So now Malachi chapter three verse fourteen, He says, "You have said it is vain to serve God, and what profit is it?" that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. So he said the words that we speak harsh, horrible, grievous against God is it's vain to serve God. I don't get what makes me happy. To serve you, God, I don't get nothing out of the deal. That this doesn't benefit me at all. And that you don't you see that in serving you how sad I am? Don't you see how in serving you and doing things your way, oh, almighty God, we're, mourn, we're mourning? We're set. You can't see that, Mr. Almighty, Mr. All-Powerful, Lord of hosts, God of armies, 
You can't see that us, me, us serving you has us upset that we don't get nothing out of the deal. This is what the Israelites were saying 516 years before Christ got here. This was the mentality of, of our people. Verse, uh, verse 15, Malachi chapter 3, verse 15. And now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. Like, like you know, if, if I want to be happy, then, then yeah, I'm going to be proud. Look at how people, when they stand up for themselves, look at how people, when, when, when they just do what they want to do, and don't worry about your, your laws and worry about your ways, God, they're happy. Yea, they that work wickedness, well, what you call wickedness, how come they got, why are they, look at how they're set up. Look at how they're living. Well, we got to sit here and follow your, follow your ways, follow your boundaries, follow your laws, and we're sad. But for what you call wicked and what you call proud, they look happy. They're, they're set up. They, they're feeling good in how they serve their God. But for us to serve you, you can't see how mournful we are. We don't feel like it's a benefit to us. Yay, where's uh, Malachi scripture 15? Yay, they that tempt God are even delivered. They have everything they want. And tempting you, Mr. Almighty, you ain't got really the power. Maybe you ain't really as powerful as you think you are. This was the mentality that we had against God. And that we wonder why God has let these bad things happen to us. That we're going to find, you know what? I'm going to find a lover. I'm going to find somebody who really is going to love me for me. And because doing things your way, God, I'm not happy. Follow your rules. God, it's like you never consider what I'm going through. God, I'm sad serving you. I'm not happy serving you. Come on, y'all. Come on, brothers and sisters. We, 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 the time of our salvation is near at hand. We've got to repent. We have to repent. But we literally walk around like we ain't did no wrong. And it's God's fault. God, why would you take this from me? God, why did you do this to me? God, why did this happen to me? God, God, God. You know what? I don't even think I believe in God. God oh, give me, you know, we, we put God on a, on a time a time limit, our own time limit. God, if you don't do this for me by this time, I ain't going to worship you. I ain't going to believe in you. Because, God, just, just trying to do things your way, I, 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 I find nothing but grief. I find nothing but, 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 but sadness. I find nothing but loss. I'm now going to do the things that make me happy. Why is it we don't understand cause and effect when it comes to God? That maybe because of what we've already been doing to God, is why these effects are hitting us now. Why is that never considered? Are we really that selfish? And the answer is yes. Are we really that so self-centered? Are we really that self-righteous? And the answer, sadly, is yes. Not sadly, but truthfully, yes. This really is our mentality, that to serve God is vain, and that God, you really don't love me.
when we read Malachi chapter 1, starting to verse 1. Malachi chapter 1, starting to verse 1. It says, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Remember, God said, I reveal my secrets to my servants, the prophets. God is only giving his true feelings, his true heart, his way of looking at things, his way of doing things, his way to the nation of Israel that he calls his wife, that he calls his woman. But this, this is the word of the Lord. To Israel by Malachi. Malachi chapter 1, verse 2. I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet you say, Wherein has I loved us? So God says, I love you. But what does the nation of Israel come back to say? How do you love me? How bold of a statement is that? That God, the Almighty, is saying, I love you, saith the Lord. And we have the audacity to come back and throw in his face. Remember the grievous words, the hard words, the grievous, the, 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 the stout words, the uh, uh, um, terrible words that we spoke against God? That in serving God, we're not happy. In serving God, we're mourning. We're sad. And what other people who don't serve you, God, look how they're happy. But God, what you call wicked, look how they're set up. Malachi chapter 1, verse 2. I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet you say, wherein has I loved us? How are you loving me, God? You don't really love me. This is what we say to God. Now, here's God's reply to that statement. Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord. Yet I loved Jacob. Now, according to, 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 to the law of birthrights, Esau being the firstborn, the, the blessing and the birthright should have went to Esau, not Jacob. That the chosen people would be so-called white people. That God would have chosen them. But God didn't do that. So here, again, let's get to God's way of looking at things, not how we keep wanting to force God to look at our way of looking at things. Malachi chapter 1, verse 2. I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet you say, Warren has not loved us. God's reply is, was not Esau Jacob's brother? said the Lord, yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, we are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, they shall build, but I will throw down, and they shall call them the border of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord has indignation forever. And your eyes shall see, and you shall say, the Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. Brothers and sisters, again, I'm, I'm going to get off this here. I know I can't. I need this one here. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. A son honors his father. And this is going to lead me into a segue. I'm going to come back. You know what? I'm going to come back and read this. I needed this. I was, going, I was thinking about this description last night and put today's class together. I'm going to come back here. I'm, this is perfect. Cool. 
I don't, I'm taking this this time with that, that type of introduction. Let me go ahead and give a shout out to uh, some of my other affiliates, some of my other associates, some other good guys, some other camps, other schools uh, around the nation. Uh, to the sport of truth, uh, here in San Antonio, uh, they have classes Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 7:30 p.m. to 10:30 p.m. Again on Saturday starting at 10 a.m. Uh, you can check them out on their YouTube channel. Uh, Sport of Truth San Antonio YouTube, right? Uh, please check them out uh, to the brothers here, to the camp here in San Antonio, as well as the brother Kyle Cobb. Let me get, give a shout out to him. You can catch him. Uh, he does his YouTube. He does uh, a broadcast on YouTube through Sport of Truth San Antonio on YouTube on Friday, on Friday nights. So you can catch him uh, on Friday nights or every other Friday night. Check the schedule. You'll be able to catch up uh, with the brother Kyle Cobb. Broadcasting from down there in Guatemala. Uh, for the school in Houston, uh, uh, SOW Houston, Texas, the Stream of Wisdom, uh, they have class every Monday and Wednesday from 10 p.m. to 9 p.m., and then on Fridays from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., and then on Saturdays from 10 a.m. Uh, to 2 p.m. You catch them live on their YouTube channel, which is SOW Houston, Texas, Stream of Wisdom, their YouTube channel on Wednesdays from 10 p.m. to 9 That's tonight, right, tonight, from uh, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., and then again on Saturdays, their YouTube channel, uh, SOW, Houston, Texas, Stream of Wisdom, from uh, Saturday starting at 10 a.m., all right? For our school in Norfolk, SOW, Norfolk, Virginia, uh, the Stream of Wisdom, they have class every Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m., and then on Saturday starting at 12 noon. You catch them live on Tuesdays and Thursdays on Facebook Live from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. on Facebook Live. Then on the YouTube channel, SOW Stream of Wisdom, Northern Virginia, you catch them live on Friday nights from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., and then on Saturdays starting at 12 noon. For our school in uh, Rochester, SOW Rochester, New York, Stream of Wisdom, they have class every Tuesday, Thursday, and Fridays as well. On their YouTube channel, SOW Rochester, New York, Stream of Wisdom, uh, starting at 8 p.m. to 10 p.m., and then also on Saturdays at 10 a.m. Uh, then for our school up in Albuquerque, for, for some of the uh, congregations in Albuquerque, in Dallas, uh, in Albuquerque, reach out to the brother Aisha White, Eric Code 505 218 4218 for times that they might be congregating or coming together. Or if you need some, some, some biblical advice, the brother's definitely available. He's been holding it down for, for over 30 years, doing a great job. Uh, him and the brother Mike Olive, who happens to be up there in Dallas right now with the Fountain of Wisdom. We have their, their uh, tour broadcast every Saturday morning, uh, starting at 8 a.m., uh, and also on Friday nights. Uh, I believe it's 7 p.m. Uh, you can reach them, uh, 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 send a request on Facebook to the Fountain of Wisdom. Um, uh, and uh, once you gain admittance, they, they, they accept you. Uh, you can check out uh, what they have going on. Beautiful classes, beautiful classes, beautiful uh, analysis. They'll be doing a great job with that. Check them out uh, on Facebook, uh, Partner Wisdom. And then also on YouTube, we have the Hidden Truth Bible Show uh, YouTube channel. We have the uh, Israelite Media Corps uh, YouTube channel. We have the Five Minutes of Wisdom YouTube channel. We have the Hidden Books YouTube channel. And we have the uh, 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 SOW Kids uh, YouTube channel. The, Check the YouTube channel, like, share, subscribe, hit the notification button. You'll be in there, right? You're in there. All right. Um, I do want to get these prayers in real quick. 
uh, this part of the show where, where we send a prayer for, for, for our beloved and friends uh, of, of the show, and we ask the most high to watch over us and heal them. We, I ask that uh, you please get some of these names down and all of them, and that you on your own private time, you might add that you might send these names up in your prayers as well, that the prayer of the righteous does avail much. All right? Real quick, I'm getting a text. I think hopefully I'm still broadcasting. Hopefully my mic has not been muted. <laughs> if that happens, brothers and sisters, I'm going to laugh. All right, uh, Sister Becky, got you. All right, good morning, good morning. The brother uh, Nagaya, brother Ashwajaza, lots of laughs. All right, cool. So let me get into this. There's times, brothers and sisters, I hate technology. There are times I cannot stand technology. And speaking of that, let me make sure I am broadcasting because that's going to be that shoot that poison arrow through my heart. Okay, we are definitely broadcasting. And not to get jokey when we're setting these prayers up. So let me, let me get my head right. All right, cool. So please add these names to your, your own uh, prayer list. Uh, the only reason I'm doing this publicly right now is not for any pats on the back. It's not for any of uh, my glory or my praise. But I might be able to get these names spread to as many people as possible that they can be prayed for, that you in your time, in your closet, that you might be able to send, add these names so that the Most High might help, heal, and protect them. So here we go. No High, in the name of Christ, please listen to us now, right now. Please send your Holy Spirit of mercy and peace to watch over, to bless, to heal, to strengthen, to help, to protect, and to build up. Father, we ask that you might put your name and that you might bless and keep. Father, we ask that you might make your faces shine upon and be gracious unto, and that you might lift up your countenance upon, upon these names, and that you might give them peace. Father, we ask for Naya, the wife of our brother Yawaab here in San Antonio. We ask for our sister Labaya, the wife of our brother Tazapah. We ask for Miss Barbara's husband, Mr. Charles, father, the, 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 the friends of my dukes, Miss Catherine, uh, who really helped her out a lot. We ask that you might be with Mr. Charles and Miss Barbara. Uh, we ask, Father, that you be with uh, Bobby Dixon. We ask, Father, uh, that you might put your name upon Sierra Leakey, the daughter of our brother David. We ask, Father, for continuing help and support to our sister Abadiah the wife of our brother Lachama out there in Houston. We ask for our brother that you might put your name upon our brother Shaquakibar out there in Norfolk, Virginia. We ask, Father, that you might put your name upon our brother Thalmor Macha and his wife Waradiah, the two of them known as Abba and Amba, the aunties and uncles of Israel. We ask that you might, uh, put, your, put, that you might put your name upon them. Father, we ask for Miss Catherine, uh, Ma Dukes, that, that you might put your name upon her, Father. We ask for our friends up in Albuquerque, for Sister Becky, for Daryl, and for Becky's sister Carmen up there in Albuquerque. Continue prayers, Father, we ask for, for my in-laws, the Lovett family. We ask for the family of our brother, Gabar um, his entire family, 
the coach family. We ask, Father, for our brother Kazakia and his family up there in North Virginia. We ask, Father, for our brother Thawan Mayum out there in Houston with his wife, Shariah, their son, Benaya, and for his mother, Samakaya, as well, Father. We ask for our brother here in, in, in uh, San Antonio, West Beverly, uh, Thawan. We ask for our sister, Ayana, the wife of our brother, Awan Ayer. We ask for some special needs children, Father. We ask for um, our brother, Tazapah, and his wife, Arakaya. We pray for their daughter, Cece. We, raise a, we ask that you might put your name upon the daughter of our brother, Gabar Kawa, Aizali. And we ask, Father, that you might put uh, your name upon the daughter of our brother, Badabad, and his wife, Kwadashaya, their daughter, Aliyah. Father, we ask that you put your, uh, your name upon Kazapah's entire family. We ask, Father, for you to put your name upon the brother, Kwadash Gabar, here in San Antonio. We ask, Father, for, uh, for our brother, for our friend, Yanawatan. We ask, Father, for the family of Gabaria Allah out there in Florida, with his wife, Aisha, their nephew, Keontae, and for their niece, Rihanna. For her mother, uh, Rufi Mae Johnson. We ask, Father, for our brother out in Florida also, for him and his family, Sean Kodash, and his wife, Mariah, and their son, Kazakia. We ask for our brother, LV, Brother Lavander, out there in Cali, out there in Riverside, California, and for his mother, Pat Washington. We ask for our sister, Kwadashaya, the wife of our brother, Bonabai. We ask for our friends, Sean Stark. We ask for our friend, friends, Sylvia Khan. We ask for Shapar and for his brother, Raswan, and for the sister, uh, Mariah, Marari, up there in Albuquerque as well. We ask for our brother, Yama, who is in Lubbock right now, in jail, up there in Lubbock right now. We ask for our brother, Yasha Ala, who's in Gallup right now. We ask for, um, we ask for the sister Ainawa, uh, the daughter of, of our brother, Gayalaba, here in San Antonio. And Father, I ask for my parents as well, Eddie and Bobby Lee Morris. And Father, we ask that, that, that as we put your name upon the children of Israel, upon these people that we just offered up to you, that you might bless them. In the name of Christ, we thank you always. Thank you always. Amen. All right, so we get that out of the way. Let's get into it. Let's dig in. All right, let's get it. Brothers and sisters, uh, the class I did on Monday, the class I did on Monday, it got cut short. There were some Internet problems from the Internet server um, spectrum here in San Antonio. They was having some issues, and my show actually got cut short. All right, my show got, got cut short. Um, I only did an hour and 44 minutes where by the time I looked and noticed it, I'd already been two hours, like 20 minutes in. So, like, what's that, 35 minutes, 30, almost 40 minutes of, of Monday show actually didn't get recorded, which is cool. We're going to come back to it. All right, we're going to come back to it. So, with that being said, uh, with the previous recap, brothers and sisters, we are dealing with um, – the pagan origins of this mystic, um, very heavy, heavily pagan um, belief and custom about uh, women getting impregnated by a supreme being, by a 
a spirit, by a a God, and giving birth to a child of divinity, a child of great power, and how that this concept was started all the way back in the days of Nimrod at the Tower of Babel in the first uh, Babylonian Empire and the Assyrian Empire under Nimrod, his wife, Sumanesis, and their son, Tammuz. If you understand the, the history, understand the, the mythology, um, that Nimrod being a mighty conqueror, being a, a tyrannical conqueror, and we've covered this in, in this series, brothers and sisters. Go back and find it. Uh, be all worship. We, I've covered that in like two or three shows, just what that entailed, what, what, that, what that meant, what was going on. That um, Nimrod being a mighty conqueror and, and conquering nations uh, after the flood um, and establishing his government and establishing his religion, um, that he died, right? that, he di- he, he, that he died and was cut into different pieces. Um, his wife, Ceramesis, who had been a queen of Assyria, who had her true historical name is Samumurat, that in order for her to maintain power and influence over, over what they had conquered and, and, and um, the, their royalty uh, over the world, she claimed that she had been impregnated by the spirit of her powerful dead husband and that his spirit was in the, in the sun and that the rays of the sun um, impregnated her and, and she gave birth to a son named Tammuz who was her dead son reincarnated, that, that her son was her husband come back who was blessed with divine powers, all right? Um, and all this was established for her to maintain control over the empire that they built up and that that mythology has been retold over and over again throughout just about every society and every nation on the planet Earth up until current, current day today. That, that this mythology was established of this woman being impregnated by a spirit, being impregnated by a powerful God. And then now this God has now come back in the form of her son. This is a very ancient, pagan, wicked practice. All right? Um Please hold on for a second, brothers and sisters. Please hold on. Um,
right, all right, all right. You're going to learn today. All right, all right, all right. You're going to learn today. All right, all right, all right, all right. Cool. So these are some things that we were covering on Monday, getting back to my, my train of thought. Now, let's pick up with today. Before we pick up with today, let's go to First Corinthians. Oh, let me, let me, let me, I got to back up just a little bit. One of the things that happened in this mythology that was started with Nimrod after he died, but for his woman to maintain power and influence, that she gave birth to a, to a, to a divine son, and that many pagan societies, many, many um, heathen societies had a mother with an infant child, a divine mother, uh, and that the, the, the mother derived, derived all her infamy or being famous because of who her son was that her son was divine and that the worship of the mother and the son became so much more that even, even outshadowed the father, that the father really became kind of insignificant and that now it was about worshiping the mother, the goddess mother, the great mother, and that the father being invisible was basically a a no-show. Um, yeah, I ever think about this for a second, like where Mother's Day actually started from. And I know Cosmopolitan was going over Mother's Day about it being uh, going back to the Mother Church. And for I can believe some of that. I do believe that that, that is one, one of the origins. But a deeper origin also is the worship of the goddess mother who, who gave birth to the divine son, the mother worship, the goddess, mother goddess worship. Um, that we find in every society, and then in every nation on the planet Earth, they have some sort of holy mother, some sort of goddess mother, some sort of uh, great mother who gave birth to a divine child. And that we was going over some of those names and everything on Monday, and I can't recap all that. It's going to kill my time. But the focus became more about the woman and the child, and the father was just, again, left to the side. Now, this was prominent in Corinth. This, the, these practices were, these pagan worships and rituals and customs were prominent in Corinth, in Ephesus, in Europe, in Asia, in Africa, in Libya, in Phygia, uh, the, the seven churches in Revelations. It was rampant all the way out to to China, to Tibet, to Japan, these customs, the, the, this belief had spread. And the, the natives of the Americas brought this over here to the Americas as well, all right? But now in Corinth, this is why Paul had to write this in Corinth. When we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, it says this, Be ye followers of me even as I also am of Christ. So Paul's like, cool. Now, remember, this Corinth, and we covered the, 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 the fornications. That's what started this series down there about spiritual fornication, uh, idols of the Gentiles, and spiritual fornication. That's one of the first episodes that we did in this series, and we covered about Corinth. And what type of fornication was going on, beginning of spiritual fornication? What kind of fornications was happening at Corinth? So this is why Paul now is establishing this 
with this letter, First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, because of how much they were involved with the worship of the mother, the goddess mother, the, 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 the earth mother, the queen mother, the, uh, uh, the queen of heaven, how they were so immersed in this ideology, this worship that is pagan, that Paul had to come back and say this right this year. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and keep me ordinances as I deliver them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. That there was so much goddess worship that God was overshadowed that Paul had to come back and remind people of the order of things putting women on a pedestal and being ruled by them and we, we covered his brothers and sisters from Ahab being influenced from Jezebel Solomon being influenced uh, by, by his women Samson being influenced by, by women Adam being influenced by women, the fornication that happened from Balak and Balaam that Christ addressed directly in Revelation chapter 2, verse 14, of having women influence everything, going back to the worship of Ceramicus and Tammuz from the times of Nimrod. So Paul had to come back here and, and, and reiterate to, or establish to keep the ordinances Keep the right order, the proper order, that I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, not the woman, not the goddess, not the mother. The head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God, that, because it was so prominent to put the woman first. You hear that a lot of R&B songs, and we was covering that also, brothers and sisters. A lot of R&B, soul music, a lot of the blues that we that that that, that our people really caught up into. That that is nothing new. That goes all the way back to the hymns, and goes all the way back to the choirs, goes all the way back to the music that was played all the way in ancient Egypt, to Babylon, to Assyria. To, to, uh, to Tibet, to China, put that woman first. When doves cry, I mean, the, the whole soul music thing and, and mournful music and, and, and all that, all that goes back to that worship, all of it. And we, we've covered that in, in this series. I'm not, I can't cover it all again today. But I want to go now back to Malachi. And I, I guess it was... It was meant for us to go here because I was going over how God says he loves the nation of Israel, but we say, when have you loved us? His, I don't want to say retort, but his reply, his response to Israel saying, how you love us? He said, look, wasn't, Jacob, wasn't Esau Jacob's brother? Yet I hated Esau and I chose you. I chose y'all. And, I, and, I, and my hatred of Esau, I made him the border of wickedness. 
that he's going to build up and have things, but I'm going to tear it down. And y'all going to see it. And then going with Malachi, the third chapter, where our words have been strong against the harsh, horrible against God. That God, serving you, we're not happy. Yea, the ones you call wicked, they look happy. They're proud. They're delivered. They're set up. Why can't you see that when we serve you, we're not happy? So we want to serve these other gods. We want to serve other idols. We want to commit, commit the fornication and, and, and partake in the happiness that we see all these other nations and all these other people doing. If it is incest, if it is bestiality, if it's just eating what you want to eat, when you want to eat, if it's doing the drugs, the magic mushrooms, smoking the weed, doing the opium, and all the products that come from the poppy plant, from opium, opioids, heroin, um, uh, uh, fentanyl, morphine. We want to be free. If, if our, we want our men to wear makeup, we want our girls to wear makeup. I remember part of the Dionysus Bacchus worship was about having sex with children. I know a lot of y'all are too, too young. And I remember John Bonet, John Marie, uh, John Bonet, John Marie Bonet, whatever. She was a, a, a little blonde haired girl. She was young, maybe five, six years old, but she was really into beauty pageants. She was a beauty pageant, and then she wound up getting kidnapped and ain't been heard from since. This is back in, in the 80s. If I remember correctly, back in the 80s. But the whole thing was about her being a beauty beauty doll contestant, looking like a beauty doll, being just like a doll, with all the makeup and all, all the fanfare of how you would dress a doll and being put in pageants. And she was took to be, not to be heard from again. And then we hear about all the missing children and all the sex rings and all the sex trafficking. This goes back to that, that Dionysus Bacchus worship where they would get so high, get so bl- blown up their mind, so inebriated off of whatever drugs, whatever drink. Remember Dionysus and, and, and Bacchus? They were the gods of wine, the gods of being inebriated, the gods of partying. Remember Zeus was about the, the songs, the, the, the singing prayers, the stomping your feet and giving yourself over to whatever pleasure you wanted to and not to feel guilty about it. Don't have no guilt about what you do. Come on, and these were the things that the apostles were trying to bring the Israelites out of when they were doing their travels, when they were doing their evangelizing, trying to get Israelites to stop that madness. So, now come back to Malachi chapter one verse six, the book of Malachi chapter one verse six. It says, now, again, this is, this is how God just got finished with Malachi chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, about, I've loved you, saith the Lord, but we on some, how you love me? If you, if you see I, I'm not happy serving you, how you love me? You won't give me what I want. Serving you hurts. I'm not free. I'm not happy like I see the other nations are happy doing what they're able to do. Serving you guys, if I do wrong, you, I feel guilty. But the other nations, look at what they're able to do and still enjoy themselves and not have a conscience. 
They're guys that make it about how they feel. And remember, y'all, we, we covered this with Nimrod. That was, that was the mentality Nimrod brought to the earth from the other side of the flood. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. It says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Said the Lord of hosts, unto you, O priest, that despise my name. And you say, wherein have we despise thy name? The Lord says, now, the part I want to get out of this before we move on, a son is supposed to honor his father. What's been, as we're seeing, what's been the custom of following all these other gods, these other idols, these other nations, and their fornication? Make sure to honor the mothers there, even above the child, and forget about the father. Look at Mother's Day, as I was talking about bringing that up earlier. Look at Mother's Day. How extravagant and how, how, how much is it expected to make sure the mother gets acknowledged to the, I mean, the utmost best of your ability. And for Father's Day, and you know, it's, it's almost become a joke, but we don't, we don't even understand how, how we're joking and, and, and how impactful it is. And fathers might get a tie. It's not really a real thought gone to a Father's Day gift. As much for the mother is expected, it better be something extravagant, something very, very sentimental, something that she cherishes to show your honor for her. Well, with the fathers, it might be he might get a tie. He might get a tool so he can keep working. That's going to be about it. So God is saying that a son is supposed to honor his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? Reflecting now, Paul comes back and talking about be followers of me as I am of Christ. Keep the ordinances as I deliver them to, me, to you. As the head of every man is supposed to be Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. And even the head of Christ is God. Remember the ordinance. Where is the order? Where is the honor of God's order? How God wants things done. These are some of the things that he's trying to, he's been trying to keep us away from. And what we, what we keep greedily running after The, the old mentality, and many people heard it and said it, happy wife, happy life. Do we think that this concept has just started since the 1950s here in America or something like that? Come on, y'all. When Adam was led by Eve, Happy wife, happy life. When she presented to him, instead of him being loyal to God, it's like him having to prove his loyalty to, to Eve. 
That was on the other side of the flood. That's where I kicked that Adam kicked out the garden, if y'all remember. That's what got Adam and his relationship with God strained. Adam didn't remember who his head was. And we see from that time, that's been carried, that tradition that has been carried on. It's been carried on to modern day. And it's these very same things that God has been talking about returning from and repenting from from the days of Adam to where it got so bad there had to be a flood. Let's try and reset. And then Ham and Nimrod bring this thing right back. Come on, brothers and sisters. Come on, brothers and sisters. Now, Malachi chapter 1, verse 7 says, You offer polluted bread upon my altar, and you say, Wherein have we polluted thee? And then you say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. God is saying, Look, when it comes to me, you don't bring your best. When it comes to God, we don't bring our best. We, we bring to God and his ordinances and the way he wants things done. We bring the absolute minimum in, in, in a show of defiance, in a show of how sad we are, in a show of how upset we are, in a show of, of how we just we're, – we're, we're, it's just the most grueling, just the most vicious just the most horrible thing to give the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the honor the way he wants to be honored. And that he's supposed to just be happy with whatever little attention or praise we give him, seeing how sad we are, seeing how down we are. Why are you not trying to lift me up? Well, how do you want to be lifted up? Let me go be a whore. Let me go be with the other nations and, and do what they do, and don't you judge me for it. Let me be free. Let me be liberal. And you still cherish me, and you still want me. And, yeah, we offer – you're saying that, that, that in verse 7, Mark chapter 1, verse 7, you're saying that, you offer, that we offer you polluted bread, but why can't you see God? Didn't we give, at least give you something? Damn, God, there's just no plea. You're just so picky. You're not like the other gods. So I'm using that as a springboard, as a segue of trying to get out. We got a lot more reading to do, a lot more historical reading to do. All right? So we're going to go back to the two Babylons. All right? We're going to go back to that. Um, The Two Babylons, all right? We'll go back to, to the book, The Two Babylons by Alexander Hislop. Uh, and we're going to go down to page uh, 21, The Child in Assyria. Right, well, I actually got to start at 20. Right, I'm going back to page 20. Right, I'm going back to page 20 where it says the objects of worship, and we're coming down uh, halfway into the paragraph. It says the Babylonians in popular religion 
supremely worshipped a goddess mother and a son who was represented in pictures and in images as an infant or child in his mother's arms. From Babylon, this worship of the mother and the child spread to the ends of the earth. In Egypt, the mother and the child were worshipped under the names of Isis and Osiris. In India, even to this day, as Issi and Isvara. In Asia, as Sybil and uh, Diosis, which is Dionysus. And we covered Sybil, y'all. We covered Sybil in this whole series. We covered Sybil in Asia. That this, this is what was being going on at Galatia. This is what was going on at the, uh, the very rich ports that were in Gal- Galatia. We covered Sybil. But this whole co- the goddess and the goddess mother and the son, the goddess mother and the son. The mother is now divine because of the son. Um, in pagan Rome, as Fortuna and Jupiter, the boy. In Greece, as Ceres, the great mother, with the babe at her breast. Or as Irene, the goddess of the uh, the goddess of peace with the boy Plutus in her arms. And even in Tibet, in China, and Japan, the Jesuit missionaries were astonished to find the the counterpart of Madonna and her child as devoutly worshipped in Papal Rome itself. Did y'all hear this? Go read it. Get this book. You can even download it for free. It's a PDF. That's what I did, and I did that because I, I can't read the font. I have the book. I purchased the book, but with my vision, I can't read the font. It, it, it's too difficult, so I download it as a PDF so I can expand it so I can read it better, so I can read it. So you can do the same thing. Right? You can do the exact same thing. Now, again, it says uh, in Tibet, in China and Japan, the Jesuit missionaries were astonished to find the counterpart of Madonna and her child as devoutly worshipped as in Papal Rome. Papal Rome is talking about the Pope, the Pope of Rome, the Roman Catholic Church, the Vatican, the quote-unquote Victor of Christ, where Madonna is worshipped, the Virgin Mary is worshipped, and her child this same concept was found in Tibet, China, and Japan, as well as all these other nations that was just mentioned. <clears throat> the Holy Mother in China being represented with a child in her arms and a glory around her, exactly as if a Roman Catholic artist had been employed to set her up. Are y'all here? Uh, the, Go read it. That's page 21 of this book, of uh, The Two Babylons. Page 21 under the subtitle, the, uh, the Child in Assyria. All right? What I'm trying to bring out, brothers and sisters, this, 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 this thing about, this thing as, as, as this, this pagan, heathen worship has been around from the days of the flood. 
It's been around since the days of the flood. All right? Now, I mean, subjection J under the child in Assyria. All right? Subjection say of the child in Assyria. The, the origin of that mother. So widely worshipped. I, I thought I could pull this up. Okay, let me tell you this. The origin of that mother, so why do you worship, there is reason to believe was Ceramicus. Are y'all hearing this? The origin of that mother, so why do you worship of all the countries and places that we just mentioned, is reason to believe was Ceramicus. Already referred to who, it is well known, was worshipped by the Babylonians and in other eastern nations, and that under the name of Rhea. Brothers and sisters, if you go and do your Greek mythology, Rhea was the mother of Zeus. Zeus raped his mother. First off, he wanted he wanted to have sex with his mother. She refused. He then turned into a snake. Stuck into stuck to where she's at, a snake, a serpent. Check that out. Went and raped his mother and had a son. So, Ceramicus, already referred to, who it is well known, was worshipped by the Babylonians and other eastern nations, and that under the name of Rhea, the great goddess mother. It was from the sun, however, that she derived all her glory and her claims to, to deification. That sun, though represented as a child in his mother's arms, was a person of great stature. The child of the mother was a person of great stature and immense bodily powers, as well as most fascinating manners. In Scripture, he is referred to in Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 14. He is referred to under the name of Tammuz, whose mother was Saranus. Mystical, spiritual father magically, miraculously impregnated the mother, and that now the father was reincarnated or was reborn as his, as her son. That her son, that she gave birth to her husband, and named him Tammuz. But he is commonly known among classical writers under the name of Bacchus. That is. The Lamented One, to the Ordinary Reader, page 22 now, the name of Bacchus suggests nothing more than revelry and drunkenness. Why would we, and we covered Bacchus and Dionysus. We did two shows just on Bacchus and a show on Dionysus. The guise of drunkenness and revelry. So you blame it on the alcohol. Stay high. Stay fly. Stay liberal. It's your thing. Mm. Do what you want to do. I can't tell you who to sock it to. Come on, y'all. Do what you like. Do how you like. Oh, that digital underground. 
who, who uh, uh, shot Jesus, died from fentanyl overdose? What's it? They said, they said Prince died from fentanyl overdose also. Prince, the androgynous one. You know, the Purple Rain, the uh, uh, Raspberry Beret. I, I, I covered the Raspberry Beret. The Raspberry Beret wasn't talking about a female with, with, who wore a Raspberry Beret. The Raspberry Beret, that whole song was about Prince having relations with a transvestite. And he was the catcher, not the pitcher. Prince was. Remember, the lyric says, she went in through the outdoor and wore Raspberry Beret. Remember, Raspberry Beret was a slang of the British Army that it was the, the British Army that, that they weren't circumcised. And that they, because they weren't circumcised, they had a raspberry beret. That's what Prince was singing about. Little Red Corvette. Um, uh, uh, Baby, you're a star. We're going to party like it's 1999. And him wearing the, 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 the cross-dressing stuff. All that goes back to Bacchus, Revelry. Drunkenness. But reading on. But it's now well known. Um, on page 22, then by the name of Bacchus, suggests nothing more than revelry and drunkenness. But it is now well known that amid all the abominations that attended his orgies, their grand design was professedly the purification of the souls. The reason you got drunk and got so blasted, so you would not have to feel guilty about whatever it is you did. Whatever Floated your boat. Whatever floats your boat. I'm going to that. I'm going to that. I'm going. Why does it say whatever floats your boat? I'm going to get into that. It says their grand design was professedly the purification of the souls, and that from the guilt, and that from the guilt and defilement of sin. Don't feel bad about what you've done. Stay high so you can forget. Stay numb. It says, the lamented one exhibited and adored as a little child in his mother's arms seems, in point of fact, to have been the husband of Ceramicus, whose whose name Ninus, by which he is commonly known in classical history, literally, literally signified the son as Ceramus the wife was worshipped as Rhea, whose grand distinguishing character was that of the great goddess mother. The conjunction with her of her husband under the name of Ninus, or the son, was sufficient to originate the peculiar worship of the mother and son. So extensively diffused among the nations of antiquity. And this, no doubt, is the explanation of the fact which has so much puzzled the inquirer's history. Check it out, y'all. That Ninus is sometimes called the husband and sometimes the son of Ceramicus. 
This also accounts for the origin of the very same confusion of relationship between Isis and Osiris, the mother and child of the Egyptians. For as Bunsen shows, Osiris was represented in Egypt as at once the son and husband of his mother and actually bore as one of his uh, titles of dignity and honor the name husband of the mother. This, it may be observed, that this very husband of the mother given to Osiris seems even at this day to be in common use among ourselves. Although there is not the least suspicion of the of the meaning of the term or whence it has come, Herodotus mentions that when in Egypt he was astonished to hear the very same mournful but ravishing song of Linus sung by the Egyptians, although under another name, which he had been accustomed to here in his own native land of Greece, the Song of Linus, sung by the Egyptians, the ancient Egyptians. He heard these same hymns, these same chants in Greece, the same chants that were being done in honor of Osiris and Isis. He heard the exact same chants in Greece with the worship of Rhea, of Zeus, of Apollo, of Hermes, of Aphrodite, of Venus, of Rhea, of Sybil, of Diana, of Bacchus, of, of uh, uh, Dionysus. Brothers and sisters, come on, y'all. Now, in dealing with the Song of Linus, it says, Linus was the same god as the Bacchus of Greece or Osiris of Egypt. For Homer introduces a boy singing the song of Linus while the vintage is going on. And Scholarus says that this song was sung in memory of Linus, who was torn in pieces by dogs. The epithet dogs applied to those who tore Linus in pieces is evidently used in a mystical sense, and it will afterwards be, uh, be seen how thoroughly the other name by which he is known, Narcissus, identifies him with the Greek Bacchus, and the Egyptian Osiris. Are y'all hearing this? The song that was being, the, the hymns that were being sung that, that Herodotus heard in Egypt in their worship of Osiris and their worship of, of, of Isis, that was the same things that he heard in Greece. And that Linus is equivalent to Bacchus. And a common name of this is Narcissus. You love yourself above all. You're into you and your pleasure 
and your way of seeing things, a narcissist. It's all about you. This is the same as, this was the Bacchus worship and the Egyptian Osiris worship. That these entities were, were around so you could do what you want to do and feel free from sin, be, feel free from guilt. Have they not assigned this very thing to Jesus Christ and Mary? That Christ died for our sins so we don't have to worry about that? That Christ died for our sins so we don't have to keep the law no more? That we can be free? That Christ came and saved us from, from our sins is what they assigned to it. Said, so now, you don't have to keep the law no more because Christ died. That concept, brothers and sisters, is pagan. Then why would you have to repent? Why would Christ be teaching about repentance? It was about, hey, I died for y'all, so y'all keep doing whatever the hell y'all want to do. Y'all are purified from any guilt. You can just do what you want to do, and it's okay. I died. And I don't know how many of us, even to this day, still keep this mentality. Christ died, so I ain't got to feel nothing. Christ died, so I don't have to feel guilty. Christ died to free me. So I keep doing whatever it is I'm doing. I can live my best life now. I can establish my own righteousness of what I think is right because he died already. Keep reading. In some places in Egypt, for the song of, of Linus or Osiris, a peculiar melody seems to have been, been used. Savory says that in the temple of Abydos, yeah, uh, Abydos, the priest repeated the seven vows in the form of hymns and that musicians were forbid to enter it. Strabo calls the god of that temple Memnon. But we learn from Wilkinson that Osiris has been the great god of Abydos, whence it is evident that Memnon and Osiris were only different names of the same deity. Now, the name of Linus or Osiris as the husband of his mother in Egypt was Kamut. When Gregory the Great introduced into the Church of Rome what are now called the Gregorian chants, he got them from the Chaldean mysteries. Did y'all hear this? Pope Gregory, when he introduced to the Church of Rome, what he now calls the, the Gregorian chants, he got them from the Chaldean mysteries. Who's Chaldea, y'all? Nimrod. Which had long been established in Rome. For the Roman Catholic priest, Eustace, admits that these chants were largely composed of Lydian and Phygrian tunes. Lydian and Phygria being, being among the chief seats in a lot of times of those mysteries, of which the Egyptian mysteries were only a branch. These tunes were sacred 
These tunes were sacred, the music of the great God. The Song of Linus, somebody Egyptian, although under another name, which the which he had been accustomed to hear in his own native land of Greece, right? Still further cast light on the fact already noticed that the Indian god Ishwa, Isharva, is represented as a babe at the breast of his own wife, Isi, or Parvati. Now, this Linus, or son, born in the arms of the Babylonian Madonna, is described as very clearly to identify him with Nimrod. When you go out throughout antiquity, was it, uh, let me keep going. Page 74 now. I'm, I'm jumping out to page 74, still dealing with the objects of worship, dealing with the section three, the mother of the child. All right. Now I'm jumping to page 74 of uh, the two Babylons. All right. The objects of worship, the section three, the mother of the child. Reading on, it says, now while the mother derived her glory in the first instance from the divine character attributed to the child in her arms. The mother in her long run, hold on one second, I got a text. Okay. Reading on. Um, Now, while the mother, from the top again, now, while the mother derived her glory in the first instance from the divine character attributed to the child in her arms, the mother in the long run practically uh, eclipsed the son. Y'all hearing this? The mother in the long run practically eclipsed her son. Just like from the Roman Catholic Church, you, you send more prayers up with the rosary beads, and we covered that. We covered about the rosary beads, and we covered about uh, uh, what Christ said, don't, don't don't be like the heathen. And, and Matthew chapter 6 says, don't be like the heathen where you think about by your repeated prayers that you're going to be heard that much more. The rosary beads, and not only just in the Catholic Church, Islam has rosary beads. There's so many so many religions that have those beads. It's used for counting how many times you repeat the same prayer. And that there were so many prayers to the Virgin Mary in the Catholic Church, but all this was just a copy of what was already going on. From, from in pagan, heathen worship of the rosy beads, or what was uh, similar to the rosy beads, of praying to the mother, praying to the, God, the, 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 um, the mother of God. The mother in the long run practically eclipsed the sun. At first, in all likelihood, there would be no thought whatever of ascribing divinity to the mother. At first, there would be no thought of ascribing divinity to the mother. For what? You were impregnated by a spirit or by a god. You're just, you were just a mortal woman. You're just a woman. But this mortal god impregnated you with a divine being, a divine child. Now, it's supposed to be this god come back. You know, like Charles Paul's coming in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, being that, that, that pagan trinity. He covered that, did an excellent job with that. 
This is what it's all running back to. It says, and I know Tuspa and, and his wives covered this and in, in, in the Trinity, but we got to cover some of this. We have to. We have to cover some of this. Uh, jumping down, there's a lot to read, but we're going to jump down. It says, it is in the last degree improbable, therefore, that when the mother was first exhibited with the child in her arms, it should be intended to give divine honors to her. It is in the last degree improbable, therefore, that when the mother was first exhibited with the child in her arms, it should be intended to give divine honors to her. It wasn't intended for divine honors to be given to her. She gave birth to the father come back, to the spirit of the father come back. She gave birth to this God come back. It's supposed to be the folks was beyond. It was this God come back. But now it became about the woman. It became about the mother. It became about the goddess mother, the mother God, the queen of heaven. Reading on. It should be intended to give divine honors to her. She was doubtless, doubtless used chiefly as a pedestal for the upholding of the divine son and holding him forth to the adoration of mankind. And glory enough, it would be counted of her, alone of all the daughters of Eve, to have given birth to the promised seed, the world's only hope. But while this, no doubt, was the, the design, it is plain principle in all idolatries that that which most appeals to the senses must make the most powerful impression. Did y'all hear this? It is a plain principle. I mean, this is easy. In all idolatries, whatever idolatry worship, whatever idols are being set up in front of the worship of the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that the setup, the plain principle in all idolatries is that which most appeals to the senses must make the most powerful impression. What's going to make the most powerful impression on people? What caters to their senses. Now, we've got to get this. All right? Got to get this. I got to insert this. Um, I got to go here. Forgive me, y'all. Now, we can, hopefully, we, we, can, we can connect some dots. Hopefully, right now, we, we're going to be able to connect a few more dots. Um, E-E. B-I-L-I-S-H. Go to the book of James. Go to the book of James, chapter 3, and I'm going to start with verse uh, 13. Uh, the book of James, chapter 3, verse 13. This is what James wrote. He says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. So just like what's being shown here from this book of Babylon, from the two Babylons, all idolatries, let me, let, me, let me pull it up. And I, I, uh, copy. 
pull my Word document up, and paste. So, and let me go ahead and I got to doctor this up some. Georgia Pro Black. Uh, I definitely want this in all caps. Fonts, small caps. Georgia Pro Black bold. Let's underline words only. Cool. But while there, this, no doubt, was the design, it is a plain principle in all idolatries that that which most appeals to the senses must make the most powerful impression. So the wisdom that descended, this wisdom descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. If it's about catering to a person's senses, that's appealing to your senses, that's idolatry, that's idolatries. That that's not from God the Father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the real, true Jesus Christ. That's not where his wisdom comes from. That's about catering to your senses or appealing to your senses. But this is what the idolatries from Nimrod coming all the way forward have been catering to how you feel, your senses. Reading on. And again, I'm going to pay, going back now to from, uh, the two Babylons, I'm on page 74. I'm on page 74. Reading, I says, now this son, now the son, even in his new incarnation, when Nimrod was believed to have reappeared in a fairer form, was exhibited merely as a child. So remember, the child now is Nimrod come back. This powerful, conquering, godlike figure who died. Now his spirit, he's coming back as his son. Uh, reappeared in a fairer form, was exhibited merely as a child without any very particular attraction, while the mother in whose arms she was was set off with all the art of painting and sculpture. So the mother now is set apart and decorated with paintings and with sculpture, as invested with much of that extraordinary beauty, which in reality belonged to her. The beauty of ceramicists said on one occasion to have quelled a rising rebellion among her subjects on their sudden appearance among, upon her sudden appearance among them to exalt a woman's beauty. To exalt a woman's feminism and to exalt a woman's beauty. What did Christ discuss about the fornication that was in the church from Revelation chapter two, verse fourteen? That they were that they were still being committing the fornication that Balaam had taught Balak to cause it that 24,000 men died. Christ mentioned that in Revelation chapter 2, verse 14 down. That was about letting the, these women whose feminism was accentuated by the makeup, accentuated by the clothes, was used as a ploy just to get the Israelites to start committing fornication 
and to worshiping their gods of Baal, of Baal Peor, of Ashtoreth, and Astarte. Modern day, Venus, Aphrodite, Jezebel, Exalt, and, 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 uh, worship the beauty of the woman. This concept is pagan. This concept is pagan. Reading on. And it is rec- recorded that the memory of the uh, admiration excited in their minds by her appearance on that occasion was per- uh, perpetrated by a statue erected in Babylon, representing her in the guise in which she had fashioned them so much, fascinated them so much. This Babylonian queen was not merely uh, infuriated, page 75, uh, coincident with the Aphrodite it's not. It's not crazy that she is. It's not a coincidence that she's. She's the same as Aphrodite, Aphrodite of Greece, and the Venus of Rome. But was in point of fact the historical origin of that goddess that by the ancient world was regarded as the very embodiment of everything attractive in female form and the perfection of female beauty. The makeup, the jewelry, the dress. What did Jezebel do when Jehu came and it was time for her, for, for her judgment? The makeup, the head tire, trying to make herself look so beautiful and majestic that he would not dare want to touch such a beautiful person, such a beautiful feminine person. with her worship of Baal and Ashtoreth. Again, to bring out the femininity. If you got it, flaunt it. Does anybody ever stop for a minute and think about where this concept comes from? Where these things and where these thoughts come from? What do you got? We are sure that Aphrodite or Venus was identical with Astarte. And Astarte being interpreted as none other than the woman that made towers or, or encompassing walls. An example, Ceramicus. The Roman Venus, as is well known, was the Cyprian Venus. And the Venus of Cyprus is historically proved to have been derived from Babylon. Now, what in these circumstances might have been uh, expected actually took place? If the child was to be adored much more than the mother, the mother, in point of fact, became the favorite object of worship. To justify this worship, the mother was raised to divinity as well as her son, and she was looked upon as destined 
to complete the bruising of the serpent's head, which it was, which it was easy. All right. My two hours are about to expire, but I'm going to keep this class going a little bit longer. All right. I'm going to keep this class going a little bit longer. The reading I I I wanted to uh, get into. I'm I'm going to keep going. The Roman Church maintains that that it was not so much the seed of the woman as the woman herself that was to bruise the head of the serpent. In defiance of all grammar, she renders the, the divine denunciation against the serpent. Thus, she shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise her heel. This is the concept of the Catholic Church. But where did this concept come from? The same was held by the ancient Babylonians. Did y'all hear this? The same ideals, the same idols, the same concepts, the same worship was held by the ancient Babylonians and symbolically represented in their temples in the uppermost story of the Tower of Babel or Temple of Belus, Theodorus, Cyculus uh, tells us there stood three images of the great divinities of Babylon. And one of these was of a woman. One of these was of a woman grasping a serpent's head. Among the Greeks, the same thing was symbolized. For Diana, whose real character was originally the same as that of the great Babylonian goddess, was represented as bearing in one of her hands a serpent, deprived of its head. As the whore, as, I'm sorry, as time wore away and the facts of Ceramicus' history became obscured, her son's birth was boldly declared to be miraculous. And, therefore, she was called Alma Mater, the virgin mother. Ain't that what they use in, in colleges today, your Alma Mater? Come on. That the birth of the great deliverer was to be miraculous was widely known long before the Christian era. I'm going to read this again. That the birth of the great deliverer was to be miraculous was widely known long before the Christian era. For centuries, some say for thousands of years, Before that event, the Buddhist priest had a tradition that a virgin was to bring forth a child to bless the world. Buddhism? That this tradition came from no popish or Christian source, no popes came with this, this origin story. It's not a Christian source where this comes from about a virgin giving a miraculous birth. Um, no popish or Christian source is evident from the surprise felt and expressed 
and the Jesuit missionaries when they first entered Tibet and China and not only found a mother and a child worshipped as at home, but that, but that mother was worshipped under a character exactly corresponding with that of their own Madonna, Virgo uh, Depara, the Virgin Mother of God. And that, and that too, in regions where they could not have found the least trace of either the name or historic or history of our Lord Jesus Christ. It said that this thing about a virgin giving birth to a, uh, a, virgin, a mother having a miraculous birth, that this was in regions that there's no way they ever heard or knew of the history of our Lord Jesus Christ. It had never been known there. Reading on, the primeval promise that the seed of the woman should bruise the serpent's head naturally suggested the idea of a miraculous birth. Now, check this out, y'all. This is from a, a Google search where I'm using the generative AI. I, I admit it, I am, but this is what came on. Check this out. In 431 AD, 431 years, I know the many year of our Lord, the Council of Ephesus proclaimed Mary, the mother of God. 400 years after Christ walked the earth, 400 centuries, four centuries, 400 years is when Mary was declared the mother of God. So what were the Christian Jews what were they what were they calling her before this time? Those first century Jews, the first century apostles, were they going around calling Mary the mother of God? No. But is it it is not ironic that it was at the Council of Ephesus where the the, the worship of Diana, Aphrodite, Artemis Zeus, Apollo, Dionysus, Bacchus was heavy. Ephesus was a major center of polytheism, of paganism, of heathen worship. Then now, 431 AD, they passed this thing that Mary is now the mother of God. The council decreed that Mary is the mother of God because her son Jesus is both God and man, divine and human. Come on, y'all. The title, Mother of God, is a translation of the Greek word theotokos, which means God-bearer. The Council of Ephesus affirmed the full deity of Christ and the unity of his person. The Council declared that it is correct to call Mary by the title of Theotokos because one cannot separate Christ's divine nature from his human nature. The Council of Ephesus was held in Ephesus, Asia Minor, in 431 under Emperor Theodosius II. Check this out. 
here's some information about the virgin birth of Attis, Mithras, Horus, and Ra. Are you hearing this? Throughout antiquities, throughout pagan worship, throughout heathen worship, and idolatry, and fornication, Mary wasn't the only virgin birth. There was also the virgin birth of Attis, of Mithra, of Horus, and of Ra. For Attis, the the Frigo Roman god Attis was born of a virgin, Nana, on December 25th. Some say his birth was miraculous, and that Nana conceived by putting a ripe almond or pomegranate in her bosom. Addis was later killed and resurrected. Come on, y'all. Mithra. The sun god Mithra is believed to have been born of a virgin in a cave on December 25th. However, ancient sources don't support this claim. According to the Mysteries of Mithra by Franz Camus, Mithra was hatched from a rock egg before time began. Horus. Horus was the son of the virgin Isis. However, there is no indication that Isis was a virgin. In fact, the myth says that Isis conceived Horus by having sex with Osiris's reassembled corpse. Horus was born in Egypt around 1550 B.C. I'm going to read that again. And you know what? This gives me an opportunity for my our latest sound effect. I've been looking, waiting for it. What can I use it? <laughs> Yeah, we're beating, we're beating this horse. Right? Horus was the son of the virgin Isis. However, there is no indication that Isis was a virgin. In fact, the myth says that Isis conceived Horus by having sex with Osiris' reassembled corpse. Horus was born in Egypt around 1550 B.C. Ra, the sun god Ra. In ancient Egypt, Ra was born of a virgin mother, Net. Surya, in the Mahabharata epic, Surya, the god of the sun, impregnated Queen uh, Kunti before her marriage to King Pandu. All right? I'm going to have a part three to this Virgin Mother God stuff. Listen, I hope this sinks in. I hope I hope what we're going over sinks in, and and that this thing about as we're dealing with the true birth of Christ and this title, Mary, the Mother of God, 
That's, that whole title, that whole thing is ancient paganism. So we've gone over, we've been going over the series, brothers and sisters, from the, the, the 15th part, was 18th part series on the true birth of Christ. We didn't hear it to now um, the idols of the Gentiles, uh, the be- beginning of spiritual fornication. Then now we're to this part of the series, um, spiritual fornication, the mother of God. All this is going to build up to get to this point here. To show how much these pagan ideals, this pagan uh, worship, this pagan mythology, this heathen mythology has, has, perpet- has very well perpetrated and influenced and seeped in to modern-day worship. So with that, brothers and sisters, I'm going to say shalom for today. Today is Wednesday. Today is Wednesday. All right, today is Wednesday. Uh, please tune in to uh, 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 SOW Houston, uh, Stream of Wisdom. They have class done tonight at 7 on YouTube. Uh, please check them out. Uh, also, um, Sword of Truth has uh, their YouTube uh, show going on tonight. Starting at 7.30 on YouTube. Uh, and then check us out tomorrow. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what time the Brother Todd's possibly able to do his class, whether it's going to be in the mornings or it's going to be tomorrow evening. But I would definitely send a text down and let it be known whether um, I text you directly or I put the posting on Facebook. Uh, but we'll let it be known. Uh, so with that, thank you everybody for tuning in. Hopefully this was educational. And with that, we're going to say shalom. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.